and I thought that my um, ride to success would be to open up a Pearl Vision. And it was a good ride. So I, I opened up a Pearl franchise in, in Conyers, which was far away from the community I grew up in, but there was a need out there. And our first year, we exceeded expectations. We'd hoped to do around 700,000 and we did like 1.2 million. So there was a need and, and the, you know, for my entire career, I tried to treat it like a private optometric office because those are the journals I read and what I subscribed to. And um, we opened up a very small, um, I think it was like 1,500 square feet. And, and within a couple of years, we expanded. Uh, one thing led to another. I ended up having three Pearl franchises, and um, and we just kept growing um, and and adding equipment and doing like anyone does in a practice. Welcome to Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes. I'm Dr. Raymond Brill with my co-host, Perry Brill, and we're here to bring you stories about Wizards of Eyes. Yes, what is a wizard, Dr. Brill? Well, these are folks that you may have heard about, may not have heard about. These are people who are actually very successful in doing what they do in all aspects of eye care. We're not talking to self-proclaimed industry geniuses, experts, masters, or gurus because we're talking to wizards of eyes that make it happen each and every day. They are out there working every day in the labs, on the road, in the practices, in surgery suites, making lenses, making frames. Yes, we want to hear these back-of-the-house stories about innovation, entrepreneurship, and make you feel excited to do what you do. We want you to be energized about the whole eye care field. And this is not your big optical program. This is done out of the passion of our hearts. Please go ahead and subscribe to Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or your favorite app. Also, visit entrepreneur.com where you'll find our latest blogs and special video content. That's www.eyetrepreneur.com. Today we have with us Dr. David Grosswald of the Eye Center in Conyers, Georgia. Good day. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing great, Ray. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. You have uh, several things about your practice, the way you practice, your practice situation that are going to be fascinating to our listeners. And before we get into all that, I would like you to perhaps tell us what your optometric journey was, how you got interested in optometry, your schooling background, that type of thing. Sure, sure. So I am 52. I graduated uh, from optometry school in 1992. And frankly, I'd never had an eye exam at that point. Um, What happened was I grew up in a retail field. My dad had um, electronic stores. Actually, my dad, my grandparents, my uncles, uh, electronics distributorships. And when I was around 13 or so, they opened up some retail stores in Atlanta. And we sold VCRs and Atari, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And we were 13. My, and I say we, my cousins and I all worked there. 
And um, so I grew up pretty much in a retail environment. My mom's side of the family, granddad, uncle were uh, physicians. And when it was time for me to decide what to do, I guess I took one of those uh, uh, career course things with the bubbles and, and optometry uh, stood out. I was into photography at the time. So that's what the computer generated. So I, I you know, when I was uh, in college, I, I, my, my mother muscled me into uh, all sorts of offices, doctor's offices, because I was interested in sciences. And I uh, saw the way dentist practice, and I spent a few days with my uncle, the cardiologist, and he actually encouraged me not to go into medicine. He didn't like where things were going in 1988 or so, 1984, somewhere in that neighborhood. And, um, and basically uh, went to Dr. David Ross's office in Atlanta, an optometrist, and uh, because our, our families uh, had some mutual re relationships. So basically, I uh, spent the day at his office, and it was a lot more fun than any of the other offices I, I spent the day in. So that's pretty much what um, led me to go to optometry school. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I, um, growing up in, the, in my dad's electronic stores, I just was, we always had the, the latest and, and greatest toys um, at our house, you know, new VCRs and TVs, since that's what he did for a living. So, and I, and I kind of look back now and realize it's really influenced uh, a lot of what I do in my office. I always have to have uh, the latest technology and understand the latest technology. And also my mom had retail clothing stores and uh, with a, a very successful stores. They've been in Atlanta. She still is working there for 30 uh, over 30 years and just high-end women's clothing with an emphasis on, on service. So that's so you got your what, what so you, say, you got your business sense really from your family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I they they mom and dad worked very hard um, and uh, um, you know long hours and and but but always enjoyed what they did and um, and yeah. I'm, I guess I'm 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 blessed to have that in my genes. You know. All right. So. Sounds like you didn't mind hard work. You learned that the secret to success is a is a half day of work, which I define as twelve hour days, and yeah. you weren't and you weren't afraid to work. No, no, it's um you know for for me work. Uh, I'm I'm not the kind of guy who's got a, a perfect photograph memory. So even in school, I had to work. You know, and so it just is is natural to get the job done. And and like you said, twelve hour days. I, 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 um, my office is about 45 minutes from the house and Atlanta is such a, uh, you know, busy traffic city that if I don't leave the house at a very early hour, then, um, I, you know, I, I'm going to get stuck. So I leave the house at five 30 every morning and, and wow. get to the office, you know, uh, several hours before any patients get there, which really enables me to have time to, um, to work on the practice. So long Yes, yeah, so you work on the practice as well as in the practice. That's a great concept. Always have, yep. So, Dr. Grosswald, walk us through your um, when you started your practice and the evolution. So, th this is our twentieth year in Conyers, and um, uh, it was just about eighteen miles east of Atlanta. And it's um, so, but things started. I actually worked right out of school in a private practice, a very well-known group in Atlanta. And uh, one doc was trying to retire, and so I was the guy that was going to buy in. And uh, it just it j just was not a good fit. On the weekends, 
I was actually working at a Pearl Vision trying to make some extra dough, and um, I found that environment much more invigorating. They were great folks. It was just a, an older uh, practice and um, an older mentality. No computer system, and you know, it just uh, it just needed um, updating. And, and I could tell that there was no desire to do so. In the meantime, I was working at this Pearl Vision where the doctor let me do whatever I wanted to do. I could fit, you know, gas perm multifocals without any concern about cost of goods, right? So it wasn't, uh, it was a great environment to learn. And I also saw, um, you know, that uh, the, the corporate environment, people were just coming in in droves. And um, Atlanta it is and was, and you know, a very competitive market. And I thought that my um, ride to success would be to open up a Pearl Vision. And it was a good ride. So I, I opened up a Pearl franchise in, in Conyers, which was far away from the community I grew up in, but there was a need out there. And our first year, we exceeded expectations. We hoped to do around 700,000 and we did like 1.2 million. So there was a need and, and the, you know, for my entire career, I tried to treat it like a private optometric office because those are the journals I read and what I subscribed to. Um, is that a side by side? Is Georgia a side by side state or is it? No, no, it's a, inside. not a separate door. The optometrist was inside. And um, we opened up a very small, um, I think it was like 1,500 square feet. And, and within a couple of years, we expanded. Uh, one thing led to another. I ended up having three Pearl franchises. And, um, and we just kept growing um, and, and adding equipment and doing like anyone does in a practice. Why was Pearl so tempting at that time? Well, Pearl was, was actually a slightly different mentality, um, but it, it has, in my opinion, morphed into, um, well, I, let's put it this way. It was, uh, Dr. Pearl was, was still attached to the company. He was the name and face of the, of the company. So it was a company that was started by um, an optometrist. But the real reason is because I was working for some Pearl franchisees and I saw them uh, being very successful. And so that was the real reason, right? And, and you know, I, like I said, I opened up a practice and within one year, it was doing $1.2 million, right? So wow. people came to us, not because, I, I remember when I was researching franchise, uh, the, 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 you know, to do the franchise, USA Today had, had done a um, study, a poll or whatever, but Pearl was the 20... 20th most recognized brand name. I mean, up there with Coca-Cola and GE wow. and all that stuff, right? So the consumers knew about it. And as soon as we opened up, people started uh, pouring in. But in order to keep them happy, it doesn't matter what type of location you have, you have to keep them happy and coming back. And that's what we did. So um, we, uh, my staff has been with me. We've got a staff of 20. And over half of them have been there 10 years. I think four of them have been with me about 18 to 20 years. Wow. So, and so, you know, we were a family out there and, and that helped to grow our pearl. But it evolved and, and you know, lots of things happened. Uh, you know, there, there were lots of, lots of hiccups along the way. We had an operations manager that um, there was a time where 2008, 2009, the economy was, uh, wasn't doing so well, and so it stood to reason that that we weren't making any money and having difficulty paying bills. But really, um, we couldn't have been any more busy. I couldn't have worked any harder, you know. So, what and of were, course, you know the you know the story. 
if you had to choose kind of three areas where you saw a lot of growth in your practice, what areas would that be? Uh, is it eyewear? Is it specialty contacts? Right, right, right. So over the years, you're talking about while I was still the pearl. Correct. Yeah, just Correct. just yeah. Over the years, yes, we we I developed a, an interest in gas permeable contacts, which uh, led me into learning about wave contact lenses, customized uh, design lenses from the topography of the eye. And, and that opened up just uh, huge doors in the specialty contact lens arena. So yes, we've always sold a lot of eyewear. We've got uh, in-house labs so we could surface uh, you know, product the same day. And you know, just all along the contact lens um, specialty area grew. We, I'm, I'm quite passionate about Ortho-K and we've got a, a pretty large Ortho-K patient base. And, and of course, uh, this in 2009, I felt my first scleral lens and fell in love with that technology. And utilizing the Wave software, uh, started you know designing you know custom designing uh, scleral lenses. So always been into specialty contact lenses, and then ultimately um, really gotten into functional medicine over the years as well, and um, and trying to improve the, the lives of our patients with chronic diseases. So. Well, let's let's talk. Uh, first, you had to you decided to defranchise or unfranchise. How? Why right. did you make that decision? Right. So, so what I was about to say earlier is that we had an office manager that was uh, manager of all of my locations, and and unfortunately, he was robbing us blind. And once <laughs> once we figured all that out, um, and um, cash flow started to improve, um, I, I just. Um, I, I can't say there was any one particular thing, right? But but okay. but as time went by, I realized that that I was paying a lot of money to Pearl for a name that um, I didn't think I needed. I, I thought I uh, patients were were coming to me because of what we created, because of me, because of my associates, because of my my staff, right? And the location right. and et cetera, et cetera. Um, don't get me wrong; I was quite fearful that. Um, that as soon as I dropped the Pearl name, that 50% of the patients would disappear as well, right? But right. Make these calculated decisions and um, how to get out of a Pearl franchisee because a Pearl franchise, they're, they're quite ironclad um, um, agreements that you sign. But it, it was a conversation. And um, actually, it was a, a consultant that I'd hired. Um, I'd hired GPN um, to help us with our frame sales. And um, Jay Bingowitz, the owner, and I got very friendly, and he knew some folks at at, uh, at Corporate Pearl. And and when I decided to defranchise, he was let's just put it that this way: he was part of the conversation, and um, I I was able um, to to get out. It was a it was a price that I had to pay, and Pearl I had see. to pay. But at the end of the day, um, we parted ways uh, well, and. And as soon as that happened, I was able to accept VSP and the, and the practice started to grow like crazy. So, so now, um, just you don't have to tell secrets, but how was a uh, person able to embezzle from you? We all worry about that as owners. Sure. So. Well, unfortunately, it was, um, it, was, it was me getting back in the exam room and, and, and seeing the next patient, right? And um, these folks are often, uh, you know, you, you've heard the story a million times, right? Very close with us, um, with our family, and um, there's just no way, right, that he could be doing this. Right. So, therefore, you trust them implicitly with everything. And charismatic and knew how to play the shell game and, 
having three locations, um, he was able to duck and hide. We also own a tanning salon. That's a whole other story, but he was managing that as well and was just funneling money um, and, and uh, just not paying, money. not paying bills or was not paying bills. He was, he was taking checks from East Georgia eye care, um, which is our corporate um, yeah. entity where we were getting insurance money and depositing the money into East Georgia tanning because the banker didn't ask any questions and then embezzling the money out of the tanning salon because we didn't want anything. You know, <laughs> we said, you run that. Um, yeah. and right. And then worry. he built the house of cards that fell. And so is and he in jail now? He spent just a few minutes in jail. The governor of Georgia didn't want um, uh, non-violent criminals. I see. Clouding up the jail. So, so, but he's no longer working in the industry. Um, okay. Well, that's good. And, and, and luckily everything, everything happens for a reason and you learn tremendous things from the mistakes you make. And that, that's, that, that experience was no exception. So you were introduced by uh, Jay Binkwitz into the private equity world. Can you give us a little uh, sure. intro to that? That's obviously lots of interest these days. So, so at this point, I'm enjoying my career more than I ever have, right? Because I don't have the stress of where the hell's that money, right? And we're doing great. And um, I got a call from my eye doctor. Um, one of their principals is uh, I'm friendly with his dad. And so uh, he had heard that I defranchised and, and immediately called me and said, we want you, you on our team and gave me a, a generous offer. But I, I, the biggest concern to me was that I wanted to keep practicing. And if I change my name again, I mean, how much tolerance yeah, really? I have, right? Not only that, but we're profitable. And the offer that they, that they gave us, um, they gave me was, was going to be, uh, I, I could make that back in a, in a couple of few years, right? Because, right. And, and I was planning on practicing, so it just didn't make sense to, to have a huge change in my practice and, and the way things are done. And, and then, uh, same thing, I, I had a conversation with Clarkson uh, through, uh, um, and, you know, someone, I had a mutual, a, a friend that was part of Clarkson, and, and we, we talked, and, and the next thing you know, I'm talking with Clarkson. And again, it was going to be the same thing. It was going to be a change in the name, and and right. and the amount was. And, and again, I was not looking. Right. And so what happened was Jay. Uh, so we had hired Jay at GPN, and was working with us for a couple of years. And at one point, I said, "I think uh, we've learned everything we can from you." And so I called him one day and said, "Thanks, you've been great, but we're not going to use you anymore." And at that point, Jay said. Yeah, that's the problem with being a consultant. You're constantly working yourself out of a job, right? And um, that's when he then he shared with me that that he had a dream to start a new corporation, um, and he didn't really tell me much except that he wanted me on his team. And it took a couple of years for uh, them to put the whole deal together. And as soon as it was, I got a call from him, and we started talking again. My wife was thrilled to have to dig up all the financials again for the third time. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but we did, and we listened, and this was different than what I had heard from others, okay? And, and remember, I came from 16 years of, of being a pro franchisee. And so basically, time, yeah. Um, yeah, and so I saw the corporate world, and, and once again, I felt like this was going to be completely different. It was only- So August. your location, your location when you were a Pearl and in private, you, you kept your location and building, right? Yeah, we, we built okay. a building in 2008. It's a, 
It's a 7,000-ish square foot building, oh, wow. yeah. uh, which we occupy around 5,500 5, square feet, something like that. So, um, and so, so that yes. helps a lot to, because if you move, then a lot of times patients have loyalty to a location. Like, you know, there's a new restaurant there. Let's try the new yep. restaurant. It's yep. in the same yep. location as the old restaurant. So, And we're okay. lucky. We're, we're on the main drag and we've got a sign that's up in the stratosphere. And, um, and so basically that's, that's part of, part okay. of my success is location. Yeah. No right. Doubt. Yeah. So, so basically, um, Jay came forward with an offer and, and we sat down and, and, and looked at the deal and it was just an offer we couldn't refuse. And I'm still practicing with my same sign and with my name and my patients have no idea. They really don't. And th this was August of 2018. So not quite a year and so far things are going well. Okay. So let's get a little bit of the mechanics of uh, private equity and I know when optometrists talk in the hallway, they say, what's your gross, what's your, you know, the gross and net, but nobody has the same definition. And I know there's a term called EBITDA. Uh, maybe you could get into really the actual business definitions of how uh, private equity would define net, gross, EBITDA, what you have to do to recast your financials and all that stuff, because uh, it, it, you just can't get three optometrists together and compare numbers. You know, some of them include include doctor compensation, some don't. So if you don't mind, maybe we can uh, at least get some clarity on that. Sure. Yeah. And I've, I've learned a tremendous amount about, you know, uh, you know, it basically got a crash course in this stuff. And, and I can tell you, I'm still no expert, right? <laughs> and so, but, but we all know, right? We all dream about selling our practice one day from the day we opened it. And, and we know that we're going to get somewhere around 65% of the annual gross. Um, and, you know, and that's kind you of... better define gross on that. So is that right. collective so, revenue or is yeah, that what you... I don't, know. I, didn't, I, I don't know. I didn't sell my practice that way. I'm in a practice group and I've heard these stories bounced around and that's exactly right. So you look at, at the, the net collections, right, that you okay. took to the bank. Um, but that's not what private equity looks at. What private equity looks at is, is that EBITDA, right? And, and it's earnings before interest, uh, tax, depreciation, and assets. And so, it, just like it sounds, they look at everything. So, for example, my, my dad, um, he retired and he worked for us for many, many years. My wife, um, and doing financial stuff, my wife uh, did payroll for the company. And both of them had a salary that probably wasn't very commensurate with the kind of work they were doing, right? And we know that the private equity firm is probably not going to keep them on board. Whereas my opticians that have been with me for 20 years, we cannot do without them, right? And so what they do is they add things like that back to the EBITDA. They add back your cell phone bill that you're, uh, you know, charging through the, the company, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they build back up what, your, you know, your profits, because at the end of the year, you're paying taxes on, on your profits, but really that number is, is a greater number. And, and it's something you can go alone and try and figure out and work with a private equity firm, or you hire a broker um, who, who helps you along the way, who knows how to look at this stuff and, and increase your value. And frankly, the, 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 I found out about my broker through Total Eye Care Partners because they don't want any surprises you know, once a sale is done. They give you the best, they're numbers people, so, so they want to uncover all these numbers and, and then their formulas are going to work right. So. Yeah. So, Dr. Grosswald, you're a pretty young doctor for selling your practice. What was your motivation to go through with the deal? 
Right. So the motivation is, you know, whenever someone comes to you with an offer, you never, you should always look, right? And, and, and I've been telling my friends who are saying, should, what do you think? I said, you should go through the motions um, if they want to talk to you because you'll learn something every single time, right? Um, so I, I've got four, uh, four boys and three of them are in college and a 13 year old. And so I see no light at the end of my tunnel, you know, <laughs> so I don't see myself moving to Florida or anything like that anytime soon. And I really enjoy what I do. I saw myself as that 80 year old optometrist coming in, you know, a couple of days a week into my practice. But what, you know, because I, I, I did look at the offer, even though my arms were crossed and my wife and I were like, why are we even doing this? You know, uh, when the offer came forward, it was an offer that I couldn't refuse. I sat down with my accountant and, and he showed me what's possible with a lump sum of money and investing. The, the, the real reason, or the, one of the biggest reasons is it wasn't just the, the, the retirement money I can get today, right? I, I, I can still work. I can still, um, I, I get pleasure out of making patients happy and, and, and seeing our place well work like a well-oiled machine, right? So it's, so I still enjoy doing that and I get to keep doing that. But with the offer from Total Eye Care Partners, I was also offered, every doctor has offered up some equity. And we all make investments in the stock market and, and, and things like that. But this is an opportunity to, um, you know, what's a private equity firm, right? It's, it's really, really wealthy people who have want to dump their money somewhere and they're going to get almost a guaranteed return. Nothing's guaranteed, but a pretty good chance of a good return on their investment. So I'm not wealthy enough to invest in a, in a private equity firm, but, but I just got the opportunity to do so, right? So by having some equity money, when it sells again, uh, I think my doctor has sold three times now, and the doctors who had uh, equity piece um, uh, got a second, third bite of the apple. And so that is, you add that to the already generous compensation, and the incentives and bonuses I have to keep running my business the same way I ran it because we get, I get, um, you know, a stipend for the growth and, and things like that. So it's, it was an offer I just couldn't refuse. My, my fears were that they were going to change the, um, uh, the, the mojo of my practice, right? And, and the morale of the staff. And, and while there were some concerns, uh, it's all kind of melted away and everything's going great and we're up. Um, for, for just from, from January to today, we're up $384,000. Wow. So um, that's in collected revenue or is that in? A- that's in net collected revenue. Those are in wow. deposits. Yeah. So now we've added, we've added um, an old friend of mine who uh, worked for me at one of my pearls in, in Augusta, Georgia um, for many years and then moved to Texas. He moved back to work with us. And so we've added another doctor, three, okay. three, three more doctor days a week, but we're, the point is, is that is that the corporate entity did not uh, change our momentum. We had this is what we've been doing for the last few years. So we'll do four, about four point two this year. Okay, so I do, and that's fabulous. I do want to get back to the nitty gritty. We we've done a a podcast with uh, Jason Prater and uh, my colleagues. I wanted to find out did you give some examples. And uh, and and these are we should note these are not yours, but I'm just going to make up some numbers. So, so let's say practice is paid five times uh, EBITDA and we make up some numbers, but they don't pay the doctor. Let's say uh, somebody is um, making 
let's say uh, I'm going to have to do this. Um, $250,000, let's say $350,000 would be what they would normally take out of the practice and they're being paid 150. So every year of a, of a five-year contract, they're losing out on $200,000, which ends up being a million. And, uh, and now they're being offered uh, like a million for it. So it would seem like the optometrist would say, well, wait a second, I just kind of gave away my practice because in the five years I'm with them, I gave away um, you know, $200,000 each year. So, yes. so just to give an example, how to explain how that would actually works and why it makes sense to still go PE if, um, if perhaps you think you're like just giving your practice away. Right. So, so it, first off, you know, it's funny. That's the first thing people ask is, you know, what, um, you know, what is your um, multiple, right? What multiple did you get? Or, or, and that's what doctors ask, you know, Jay, when he's, when he's um, evaluating these practice, he, he and his team. So, um, and so basically, it, it, it's not just about the multiple, right? You have to, what, what they're looking at is how profitable your practice is. And it's not just uh, the profits, right? You may be a very profitable practice, but you may not have an OCT and you may not, you know, they, they may have to redo all the furniture and their, 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 their expenses that are going to have to be incurred over the next few years, right? So all of that right. can, can change the valuation of your practice. Um, I think if I understand what you're asking, you know, for me, that's what, just like I said, let's, uh, let's pick an arbitrary number of... Uh, of, of uh, a 10 multiple, right? Which is part okay. of for a single practice. But the point is, is that if I was going to work more than 10 years, then why do this? Well, we do it right. 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 Okay. Why do this? Well, number one, you, you, you there's security, right? Because what's going to happen in the future? One never knows. And so uh, n number, number two, so I got my money up front and that money, you know, it's the rule of sevens, right? If I can put that money away and start working for me right now, it's going to grow at a far greater amount, right? Um, as I've mentioned before, the private equity piece in, and some, some uh, PE firms are offering this and some are not. And that's a, that's a moving target, moving ball as they all compete with each other, right? But, but there's that component and that can be, that can be a, a, um, that is a complete gamble and risk, but it's one that I thought was a good risk um, based on who's involved with this company and, and, and their track record and um, the, the, the PE firm's track record and all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, the compensation is, is very generous. They're, they're compensating doctors in the high teens and I'm a producer. And so my salary you know, is, is pretty good. Um, am I answering your question? I'm trying to think what yeah, I'm no, leaving no, out. You did a good job. And I think you're right. If, if you can sell and, and you get a good amount for it, just put that money back into the stock market, consult with your financial advisor. Um, that's definitely one way to go about it. I, I do just want to finish up this part of the podcast with um, talking about uh, maybe your, your psychology through this whole process, you know, the losing the boss mindset or power, right, right. the emotions that go through, because this is essentially your baby, you know, right. and um, nobody wants it to hear their baby's ugly, but you don't want to hear uh, that somebody doesn't like your baby. And, and this is something you grew, you started. So can you go through the kind of the psychology of that? 
Sure. Um, and, and, you know, you draw from what you see as well, right? So I had some concerns because I've seen uh, friends sell it to private equity and, and they are um, not always happy, right? Some are, some aren't. Um, and so you focus on the ones who aren't. And, and part of that is, yes, someone else came in and, and changed everything in the office. So I, I, you know, I trusted them. I was, I think, at the number seventh office, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that neighborhood, and they're up to fifty offices now. So, so I was told we're not going to change a thing. We're not going to change your name. We're not going to come in and change a computer system immediately. And you've been profitable, and it makes sense, right, that they wouldn't change anything. That they bought us for a reason. Um, and so I trusted them, and so far that's happened. Um, we get, um, basically, I'm, I'm still the guy in charge. I'm still the guy having the, uh, the you know, the, at the front of the meetings and, and, and the staff, um, the staff just has to, um, you know, come up with reports and, and report to the, the, um, the local, uh, I forget what we call our operations manager. And, um, and we've got a great relationship with them and they're there to help us and not to chastise and 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 i think that that speaks for itself in the fact that our volume keeps growing right our revenue keeps growing yeah right so when you have employee issues matters going on who handles that in the office well we have an office manager and so her role hasn't really changed right and so those are her responsibilities um and you know, on the on the bigger issues, we we consult corporate, right? For example, you know, one of the things that people always ask me is, you know, what if, you know, you like to buy toys, or, or you know, what if I sell out? Am I going to be able to, to, um, you know, um, purchase the equipment I want to purchase? So, um, since since I, I I partnered with Total Eye Care Partners, um, they've purchased a Pentacam for me and the NeuroLens uh, device, which you know that's. Um, you do the math. I don't, what yeah. is that? $8,000 worth of toys, right? That's a good and, chunk of money. Right. So, but the point is, is that is, you know, they, they had to, um, they had to look at the, at, at the numbers, right? Before I would make those decisions and it was an emotional decision and, and I wanted that machine no matter what, right? It was section 179 time. Well, now right. you have to sit down and show not an optometrist, you have to show an accountant, uh, his name is George, really bright guy, and you have to make sense of it. And, and, and they thought it made sense to buy me those two devices, right? So, so some things are, are definitely different. And because in the past, I would just, you know, say we need it and there's money in the bank, let's buy it, right? And now I've got to get permission. But uh, uh, so far, it hasn't been um, as painful uh, for those things as I thought it would be. Well, as we pivot to talking more in a clinical sense, um, I wanted to ask about your, do you have a fear that let's say when Total Eye Care Partners sells to the next PE, it, it may be uh, it may be my eye doctor or maybe somebody else that your philosophy doesn't agree with. So how, sure. how do you continue with your mindset of like, wow, this is a really good deal to like, oh man, I mean, right now, this is not the way I want to practice. And they say, David, you looks like you're doing 20 exams today. You're going to be doing 35. And if you don't like it, I mean, you're done. Right. So right. what guarantees do you have on the third or fourth purchase of Total Eye uh, Care Partners that you're going to still like it? 
That's a good question. Uh, first off, as well, no, there's no guarantees with anything, right? And so, right. but but the reality is, uh, first off, I should say that what one of the things that I feel makes Total Access Partners different is that, uh, you know, our president Ben Gaddy is is a eye doctor, right? And so, their their key their their core um, you know their uh, core mission, if you will, is that they think that there's let's put it this way they think there's a lot of low hanging fruit on the eye doctor side, right? right. And by, and they've got four pillars. We have four pillars we're working on diabetes and and premium IOLs and dry eye and glaucoma. And by understanding these things and, and putting uh, together best practices and having the best equipment, that you know that that things are are that, that will continue to thrive, et cetera, et cetera, right? And I agree. That's that, that's been my philosophy all along, and that's and, and that's what we've done in our office. So it aligned with my philosophy. So the answer to your question is, is that the way I see it, it's really hard to turn around a battleship, right? Why would a company come and buy all these medically centric optometry offices? And and turn them into ninety nine ninety five eyeglass uh, offices. It's just it's it's hard to turn that battleship around. So whoever is going to buy um, from the larger cap fund to this small to mid cap fund, uh, they're going to be they're going to have a, a similar mentality, right? Uh, is okay. one would assume. Um, and it's it's not uncommon even for for the sale to happen even within the same private equity firm, right? They just pay out these investors and and. And and bring in new investors uh, within right. the CPE firm. So those those are all possibilities that it could change on a dime. And and if that happened uh, in five to seven years, and and I'm at this point, I'd be financially um, you know sound, and I'd just go find something else to do if I was miserable, right? And as opposed to. Um, I, I, you know what I kind of stammered earlier. One of the to, to go back. One of the one of the other things is is that for me, once your practice gets to a certain size, it's going to be difficult for your associates to to make that purchase, right? And so, um, for the larger practices out there, private equity, um, that's another reason to consider it because they're here now and and it's and they may not be here later, right? <laughs> so right, uh, yeah. So. Now, did you take have to take a big financial hit when they when you did get paid, in terms of taxes, or were there ways around that? Well, yeah, I mean, yes, it was a big financial hit. <laughs> so, but um, but that just means that you made some money, right? right. But but it wasn't uh, just you know straightening your tax bracket. They a, a, a good percentage of of um, of the amount is taxed under um, goodwill which is a lower tax rate and again these are things these are these are things i'm not great at so okay but i do know that our team was working to minimize it but it still hurt but right that's, but that's the country we live in that's you're yeah. a citizen here right let's pivot to uh some of those pillars you were talking about and you do some very interesting clinical things in your in your practice um and Perhaps you could go into some of the things that you do. Uh, I know you do OrthoK. You work with, uh, I'll call it nutrigenomics, uh, some aspects of regenerative medicine, photobiomodulation, oxidative medicine, electronic. Yeah. Can you get into some of those areas where they are? I, I won't say fringe, but they're cutting edge. And, sure, uh, sure. And tell us how that helped your level of success. Okay, so. Uh, 
again, the evolution. Yes, I'm into ortho K. I was into ortho K when we would go to the vision by design meetings and there'd be, I don't know, two, 300 of us there. Now there's thousands, right? So ortho K has become mainstream, but at the time it certainly wasn't. Um, but the point is you go to these meetings and you, you really meet some interesting doctors. So I'm at a, I'm at a, um, a WAVE meeting years ago, early in its inception, and I was asking some questions to the presenter, and, and the next thing I know, this guy, his name is Peter Wilcox, he practices in Virginia, he came up to me and said, you, you and you, come here. And I'm like, who is this guy? And, and we were the guys asking the questions, and, and we started a friendship, and it was about 11 of us uh, that, that email each other every single day and, and, and kind of uh, push each other, if you will. And one of the guys in the group, Julio Arroyo, and out of Texas, is um, really um, passionate about healing the body without surgeries and drugs and what have you. You know what other ways there. And North OK kind of speaks to that, right? You're right. you're fixing myopia um, by non-conventional means. And so, the bottom line is, one door opens up another. I, I, I kind of mentioned before the way my brain thinks is I really have to understand things. Right. So I, I found myself <laughs> reading all sorts of science books, and and the fact is is that there's some incredible technology out there that will be mainstream one of these days, um, and those therapies involve basically mitochondrial resuscitation. So so why don't we make new cells, right? Why do we uh, why do we have difficulty making uh, a new macula when you have macular degeneration? And and basically something is is interfering with your ability to regenerate new cells there. And and, and so all of this medicine that you just kind of, uh, or all these uh, technologies involve uh, better cellular um, uh, turnover, okay? So, um, and so, like I said, me and my buddies have been, uh, uh, take a look at this, try this. I, I, I bought this device. I tried it on a patient. You wouldn't believe I tried it on my wife and it did this. And so, um, so where do I even start, right? So basically what we've done, we've, we've kind of morphed into a, a devoted about three rooms. It actually did this in our in the tanning salon, which is a completely different interest, people have, uh, I'm sorry, entrance, people have no idea that the two locations are connected. But through our break room, we, we have access to the tanning salon and we've kind of walled off uh, about four rooms where we've put in some of these devices. So these devices are things like photobiomodulation, right? And photobiomodulation is, is low level laser therapy and there's certain frequencies of light that you can shine on parts of the body that activate cytochrome P450, the enzyme that, that helps the electron tra transport chain along to help you make ATP, which is necessary to um, kill a cell, right? Apoptosis, and, and to, to have the energy to make a new cell so that the cell doesn't stick around, for example, in the macula and have drusen in it, right? right. And these therapies really work. Um, and and, you know, we've got a, a very large patient base, and I've been seeing them for a long time, um, I, I kind of jumping around. But basically, we're not doing much advertising for these therapies. It's just really with our patients who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. Um, and we've been treating things like shining these lights inside the retina, utilizing um, uh, pulsed electromagnetic field, which is basically a copper coil that you run an electric field through. It creates some 
a magnetic field that goes through your body and changes cell membrane potentials to get toxins out of cells and bring nutrients into cells. Um, does a great job of creating nitric oxide in the body and uh, changing the reality of red blood cells. It, it just literally, you've seen, if you get online and watch videos of, of what happens to red and white blood cells after an eight minute treatment, it's quite fascinating. So, so Dr. Dr. Grosswold, how do you go about in your daily routine talking to patients about this technology? You know, are they weary of it? Are they like, hey, let's do this. This is different. The guy down the street's not doing it. I'm all game. And, and then when they ask you, like, where are the studies? You know, you get so, good question. So there are there are thousands of white papers. I mean, millions of white papers written on on these different technologies when you combine them. Um, uh, double blind placebo studies? No, you need a pharmaceutical company to pay you know millions of dollars uh, to do that. Um, but there are tons of, 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 of papers and, and clinical reports on these things from all over the world. Most of these therapies are done more in other countries. But we're talking about light. We're talking about 880 nanometers that you're pulling out of a bulb, okay? In other words, in other words, you, you've got the full spectrum of light. You're going to, one certain frequency, these different frequencies have been studied, and, and, and we're talking about light. So these things are, are, that we're talking about are harmless. We're talking about ozone therapy, and ozone is O3, and it's a gas. Tesla is the first one who, who uh, used it medicinally, um, or I'm sorry, used it medicinally in this country, is actually used in World War II quite a bit in Germany, mm -hmm. and it's an oxidative therapy, um, as is chemotherapy radiation, right? Uh, uh, and, and these things are oxidizing to the body, but ozone's a little different. If you can get ozone into the bloodstream, what it does is it oxidizes, it, it, it kills bacteria, fungi, spores, it, it gets into the capsid of the, of, the, um, of the virus so that it won't replicate, um, and it does amazing things, but different than those other oxidative therapies I just mentioned, it helps your uh, body produce antioxidant enzymes in the cell. So bugs can't produce superoxide, uh, they, they can't produce the, the antioxidant uh, enzymes, whereas ozone helps you to generate that. So all sorts of, I could go on and on, on about the... Well, so let's say, uh, so now being practical, you said low-level laser. Uh, do you guys have lasers in Georgia? No, so it's actually not, it's literally LED lights. They call it okay. low-level laser therapy because yeah. it's a, you know, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a, I guess just one wavelength of light. It, right. It's not okay, really so it's not a laser. Yeah, yeah we do. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. We do intense light therapy for uh, for ocular rosacea and dry yeah. eye in our practice, and you, you got to watch out. Some people call it a laser, but it's actually a xenon flash. So, yeah. so it is not really low level laser. It's an LED. So you would not need for any of these technologies any special permission from your board. That's correct. In fact, for the in Georgia, the Georgia Optometric Association, um, our our um, uh, our license actually mentions that we can treat things utilizing light. So, so these light therapies, I mean, I, you, you, you kind of ask, you know, how, how I introduce this to the patients. And, and yes, sometimes you get a raised eyebrow and, and sometimes the patient says, I've been, you know, I try and, and, and really stay in the eye department, okay? Right. But when you've been seeing a patient for 20 years, and she comes in and she's limping and she's got a, a cane. I said, what, what happened? And she's, a, and she's there for her annual diabetic exam. Uh, diabetes well controlled at 
5.8 A1C and on tons of diabetic meds, right? And so basically she had had a ankle replacement and it just wouldn't heal. Eight months and, and she still had an open wound. She's, and we started talking about it and, and, and she said, you wanna see it? I said, sure. So I, I gave her some ozonated oil and I said, take this sample right here because you can bubble ozone through olive oil and you can get the, the benefits of, of this O3. And, and I said, you rub this on your wound and um, if, it, if it's beneficial to you, then you come on back and get some ozone treatments. And, and she did. Uh, we put the red, uh, and actually the, 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 the low-level laser, also known as near-infrared therapy, okay? So we put this near-infrared panel of lights on her leg and we've got an ozone generator. We generated ozone gas and, and, and put a bag around her, her foot. And she did these 30-minute treatments. And after all these months of going to Emory Wound Care uh, Clinic, uh, she fired them after around three visits. And, and the wound finally completely closed up. So this is without drugs. This is with minimal cost involved. And, and you know, she, she got it, you know, after getting an eye exam. So these are the things that excite me to be able to help patients through uh, proper supplementation, through light therapy, through ozone therapy, through pulsed electromagnetic field. And, and, um, and every single patient's uh, not willing to do it. Um, uh, but those that are, are, are getting the benefits. So it's, it's pretty and you're fun. Able to charge, and you're able to charge for that, right? Obviously. Yeah, yeah. These are these are cash pay things, um, which is one of the reasons why um, these things will never grow because of the way our our, our medical system right. is set up, right. Right? and so and these will never be covered, right? Yeah. How does a doctor learn about this type of technology? Where do they go for education, reading material? Yeah. So I, I, my journey started with learning from an ophthalmologist. His name is Dr. Jerry Tennant. He's probably 79 years old at, at this point. Um, a real pioneer. He, he, he had the first ambulatory surgery center in this country. He's, he brought IOLs, uh, uh, I think, from Denmark uh, to the United States, and a real outside-the-box thinker. He's, he's calls himself an energy medicine physician and basically wrote a book. It's called Voltage is Healing. And that's where what really opened my eyes to that there are other uh, non-invasive things that we can do um, that our patients are clamoring for uh, to, to help them get better. And, and, I, I, and it, it's not just a matter of shining light on a foot. I mean, we've, we've been able to, to literally get people off their diabetic medications. My, we see a lot of Plaquenil patients to do testing with them. And, and a few of them we've convinced to, to go through a course with us. And, and after three months, they're off their Plaquenil uh, with a blessing from their rheumatologist because all their inflammatory markers are, are completely down. Because that's what ozone therapy does and hypothermia and all these different things. So, so, so let's our talk, patients are not yeah. getting the care they, they need. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how, how that impacts the regular allopathic physicians. You know, could they say, well, she was probably going to get better on her, on her own, and that's just coincidental, and why don't you stay in your lane? You're in the eye care lane. What are you doing in, in my lane? Sure, sure. You know, I mean, so, how do you get, you get grief uh, as, as it is, uh, you know, just being an optometrist, but uh, you, you, do you get grief also in maybe doing non-allopathic type of treatments? Right. So what, what I tell patients is that we're going to help you detoxify, right? That's what these therapies do. They, they, help, um, uh, they help to detoxify the body of heavy metals and, and low-grade infections that are, that are occurring in all of us all the time. Um, and, and so that's the kind of language. I'm not out there telling 
um, telling patients that we're going to cure anything. What we do is we say we can help you with those symptoms. So, so I, nor am I out there advertising a great deal. I'm just talking to my patients who, who are open to the idea of trying something other than a pharmaceutical that's not working for them, right? And so, but, but you know, there's a, a very, probably one of the best known physicians in town. He's a patient of mine. So when he comes in, I show him this stuff. And the last time he was in, it was, it was almost the last day of the year. And he said, David, whatever you're doing, uh, you just tell my patients that I give them their blessing, right? So, so we have some home runs like that. I had an oncologist, a, a, a patient who uh, I've been seeing for many years, and, and she came to see us because she had diplopia. She had part of her brain tumor removed, but they couldn't get it all. And, um, and after 13 sessions in this particular ozone sauna, her brain tumor went away. Um, now she was undergoing chemotherapy, but the chemotherapy was making her incredibly weak. But the oncologist and I talked on the phone and the oncologist, um, you know, said, you work on the detox and, and I'm going to watch the tumor. I'm going to call you if anything it goes awry. But I, it was a 45 minute discussion for me to explain the science of how this works that she, she didn't know about, nor did I until I learned. So you asked how to learn. Um, there's a, there's a, a, a lady at, um, her name is Janice, um, oh boy, uh, uh, is it Ellis? Yeah, Janet Ellis, E-L-L-I-S, I believe. If you, if you Google photobiomodulation, she's at the University of Wisconsin, and, and she basically is doing a tremendous amount of research on retinal disease and photobiomodulation. Uh, Jerry, uh, um, uh, Frank Schallenberger, S-H-A-L-L-E-N-B-E-R-G-E-R, does some great lectures on on the medicine of ozone therapy and its benefits. Uh, Pollock, P-A-U-L-I-K, if you Google him, he's the guru on pulsed electromagnetic fields. So there's just a tremendous amount of information and books and, and uh, um, information out there on, on all these non-invasive therapies that, that patients can even do at, at home if they're willing to buy the devices. So neat stuff. Okay. so. Uh, I know we mentioned a few things here, uh, the methylation testing mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, the photobiomodulation, <laughs> oxidative medicine, uh, pulsed electromagnetic frequency. Can you, can you touch a little bit like on each one of those so that uh, our listeners know that it's not just one little thing you're doing. You're not in yeah. a, like no, a chiropractor's sure. office and you just did like five things in the gym. Right, right, right. No, it, it's, it is a, depending on the situation, it's a blitzkrieg. I mean, just reading a couple of days ago, Larry Alexander, may rest in peace, had, a, had an article that he wrote, um, several, uh, uh, a paper basically, on, on it was kind of like a innovative thoughts on, on glaucoma. And, and the whole thing revolved around creating how, how, you know, our body is constantly creating these reactive oxygen species that were oxidizing, that were aging. And again, that's what these, these therapies um, address. So um, uh, let me give you an example. We had a, um, a, a diabetic patient with diabetic macular edema. And, you know, and I told him, it's, it's about time you go for some shots in your eyes. And he absolutely, unequivocally refused. We documented the record. And I, and I you know, we know that it's, it's going to help. But he absolutely was adamant. And, and you know, uncontrollable A1C. And so he's got terrible neuropathy. And I put him, you know, the, the goal was to help improve his vision status with an agreement that if things got any worse, that he was going out to retina, right? 
And the bottom line is, is that while we treated his diabetic retinopathy and things improved, um, we also really helped with his neuropathy, with his sleep patterns, his A1C went down dramatically. And, and each of these different therapies did something a little different. But, you know, the answer to your question is that, again, ozone uh, delivers O2 oxygen, you know, the, the, the extra oxygen molecule uh, falls off and basically um, um, gets into tissues much better. And so that oxygen is, is needed once again to make ATP in the mitochondria. Um, it oxidizes and, and kills low-grade infections that are happening in the body. Um, uh, what else? What specifically did you just ask me? Kind of no, losing uh, my brain. Maybe you could touch on what you're doing with migraine, migraineurs with sure. uh, the, the nutri, nutri, I'll call it nutrigenomics uh, and the MTHFR. Uh, sure, sure. So, so I, I think what you know we had talked previously. Yes, uh, we we do a lot of um, work in helping migraine patients, um, and and migraines are so multifactorial, but oftentimes. Um, I've, I've learned quite a bit about the methylation process, and often uh, migraineurs, about 35% of the time, have a, a, a variant of the MTHFR defect, right? What um, is the methylation process? So methylation happens in every single cell in the body, and it's a, and chemically you're, you're adding a CH3 group, a methyl group. And in order for you, you know, for the enzymatic process, for the, for the chemical reaction to get to the next step, the next step, the next step, then you have to have a methylation uh, cascade that's working properly. And in order for methylation to work, what your end product, what you're trying to do is produce nitric oxide, to, um, to deliver oxygen into the Krebs cycle, right? So if your methylation is not working well, then your Krebs cycle is not working well and you're not gonna make ATP. We're right back to mitochondria. Um, and in fact, that paper I was just talking about that Larry Alexander wrote, he, he talked quite a bit about a buildup of homocysteine. So homocysteine can build up in your body when methylation is not working properly and it's a neurotoxin. It can damage your optic nerve, it can damage your hearing. and um, and again, lead to a cascade of, of problems in the endothelial cells of blood vessels, making you not have nitric oxide, right? Which means that you have poor blood flow, and and if you don't have microvascular circulation, then all bad thing, you know, all bad things can happen. So, so we we do um, some methylation testing, and anyone can do this. You just get an account with a with a lab, and 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 you look for these gene defects. And, you know, at the end of the day, now that I've learned a great deal more about this, we're, we're doing less testing and, and just making some assumptions based because it's just another cost for patients. I the see. Good news is in order a blood test? It's a blood test? No, it's a, it's a cheek swab. And okay. it, in order to measure homocysteine and B12, which are important in this whole equation, then you need a blood test and you've got to send them out to a lab or have them. I see have their doctor do the lab test because we can't do lab tests in an eye doctor's office, right? It's just like a 3DNA uh, cheek swab. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. A, uh, a, what am I saying here? Like a DNA cheek swab, 23 Well, that's it, that's it. It's a, and you can do this through 23andMe. You can get a 23andMe cheek swab at CVS and, and turn it into another company, pay 50 bucks, and get an analysis of all of your, all of your genes. But at the end of the day, what I've learned uh, through this whole process is that, is that everyone's pretty much getting the same treatment, which is just methylated B vitamins, because in order to cascade this reaction, you need B12, you need vitamin D, you need cyst 
cysteine and you know uh, inacetyl cysteine and so you just kind of guide patients and put them on the right supplements and their migraines go away so uh, um, of course there's uh, using magnesium but but dr Tennant, um we've got a um, a device that's the, the 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 eye doctor in texas who's in energy medicine he actually sells a device called a microcurrent stimulator. Everyone thinks it's a TENS machine, but it works on microvolts and there's certain frequencies um, that you can use these devices with the, it, it produces electricity and you put this probe up to certain parts of the body, namely the sternocleidomastoid muscle, which uh, affects the parasympathetic nervous system. Without going into all the detail. I'm glad to, to to bore someone when they're ready, but you can pull someone out of a 10 out of 10 migraine uh, while they're in there, and you're um, and it just basically uh, stops the the uh, the cortical depression of electricity that's going across their brain uh, during a migraine. You you wow. you change the electricity, and again, it's harmless. And and this device does all sorts of other things as well, but. Um, but again, using microcurrent stimulation to, to help these migraine patients. We just implemented, as I said before, NeuroLens, and um, really impressed uh, in, with with that device because it it speaks to some of this um, uh, electrical malfunction stuff that happens with um, migraine patients. Without getting into the to the all the details. Yeah. So you truly uh, are changing hearts, minds, and eyes. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, uh, and, and, you know, again, getting back to the private equity thing, this is, I'm, I'm, I've always been passionate about optometry and, and making our patients happy for what they come to our office for. But myself and my associates who are on board with me and my, my friends that we collaborate with have discovered, you know, all sorts of things that you can help patients with. And, and believe me, we're not, we're not overcharging for these therapies. I'm not making a, a million bucks on this stuff, but it, it absolutely cements these patients to our office. No one else is going to go anywhere else for services because I got rid of aunt so-and-so's, you know, diabetic, you know, foot wound that wouldn't heal up. Right. So it, uh, so they're not taking their pulsed electromagnetic frequency therapy RX to go. <laughs> Believe it or not yet. Not yet. So, um, but, it, but it's fun and yeah, right. But, uh, but, but, but a few of them, a few of them have said, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I this stuff works so well, how do I get it? And, and we I help see. them find ways to get, you know, less expensive devices. Yeah. Are there competitors in the market for that stuff? I mean, let's say uh, the regenerative medicine groups and the chiropractors uh, that are actually in this space also? There are. So, so the, main, the name of the sauna we have in our office is called HOCAT, H-O-C-A-T-T, and you can Google that. Uh, but there's only one other one in Atlanta. It's a very busy naturopath. Um, um, his office is just, I mean, they're lining up out the door to get therapies in his office. And these are... Uh, this is in a very um, affluent uh, neighborhood in Atlanta on the north side. Yeah. But, um, but, the, but it's funny, there's a, there's a very large, there's a medical clinic here. Um, it's called Progressive Medical. And I've become friendly with the owner. And basically, he's an MD, and, and, but his office is, is all about functional medicine. It's huge. It's an 8,000-square-foot building. And he's got our devices. We've got them combined in one unit. But he's got our devices in seven different rooms, and they're you know the patients have to come in and get the therapies individually. Where we've got them all combined, and and 
in a few devices. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Dr. Grossor, we love how progressive you are, both in your business thoughts and clinical. Um, can you leave the listeners just with a few words of inspiration? You know, what should they be doing coming into, you know, what should they be doing in 2019 and beyond to differentiate themselves? Sure. Well, that's it. Is is we're in such an age of information, and and what I would encourage folks to do uh, to keep enjoying what they do and not get stuck in the mundane of, of just selling glasses and contact lenses, um, because you know the, those those things may dwindle more and more as time goes by. Right? Is is look for things, ways to help your patients that um, don't have anything to do with insurance. Right? That 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 are in within our scope. And, and that's what I've been doing for years. And it just keeps fueling my passion and interest in this business. It really does. From ortho K to scleral lenses to, um, you know, to, to things that, that really help patients. So collaborate with friends, go to these meetings. Ray, you said it in your, in your epilogue to this whole, to this whole thing you're doing is that you learn more, um, in the hallways. That's where we met. And, uh, uh, of these conventions and, and what happens is you 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 chum up with with buddies and the next thing you know is they'll inspire you and push you and um and that's what i would encourage folks to do and just and keep learning when when a patient comes in with something and and uh spend a few minutes doing some research because their physicians aren't <laughs> and and how you can help this patient so um yeah. they, they they come to appreciate you wonderful and if listeners want to get in touch with you how can they reach out Sure, I I love talking about the this integrative medicine stuff and 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 I'm really happy with my decision with with uh, Total Eye Care Partners. So call me with any questions. Uh, get me on Facebook through me and uh, dgrosswold at theeyecenterconyers.com. And uh, my cell phone six seven eight seven five eight two one eight four. I'm in the car for almost two hours every day. So uh, <laughs> call me. It's okay if they uh, if you call them at five thirty. Ask them. <laughs> I'm up. I'm up. Eastern time, that is. Now, come on, you know. So, all right. Okay. Thank you so much. It was very enlightening. And part of our entrepreneur podcast is to offer some positive, enthusiastic approach to the profession. And we do want to mention that if you are interested in some of these topics, please contact us at entrepreneur.com and on our Facebook group. This brings us to the end of another episode of Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes. Go ahead and click over to our website, entrepreneur.com, or head over to Facebook to join our special Facebook group, Entrepreneur. See you there.